Hi, I'm Jen Sherlock, and welcome to my lifestyle podcast, Live Without a Nest. The podcast showcases people who live fearlessly and have the ambition to create something. I'll showcase change makers who have decided to let go of their safety net in order to survive. So let's jump right in. Sherlock, welcome to Live Without a Net. I have an awesome guest today. His name is Marcus Ogden. He's a speaker, an author, and a business coach. And I'm so excited to have him. How are you? I'm doing well, Jen. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm so excited we get to connect. And your story is so interesting and will definitely impact most people. People that may feel that they can't start their own business or accomplish something when they may be rock bottom in life. So I would love just to jump right in. And I kind of want to start with when you were younger, did you envision yourself as an entrepreneur? That's an interesting question. No, because our father worked in corporate America as the first African-American of the Federal Home Loans Bank of New York in their D.C. office. So I believe he was hired like 1970 and 1979. Uh, I was born in 1980. So I remember being like, five, six years old, going downtown D.C., seeing like the White House and New York Avenue and all these things, but watching our father work in corporate America as a, um, he was like the manager of like their stocks and bonds room. So from a really young age, corporate America and, you know, doing the whole nine to five was very much ingrained as because, you know, take care of your family, responsibility, save money, you know, all that kind of stuff. No, that's awesome. So you went from high school, college, and recruited right to the NFL? Yeah, I was went, I played football in high school, St. John's College High School, then went to Howard University. And then from Howard, I was driving from the National Football League by the Jacksonville Jaguars. My head coach was Jack Del Rio. It was his rookie year uh, as a head coach. I actually knew him prior when he worked for the Baltimore Ravens as an assistant linebacker coach. And he was just a friend of the family for years. And Another guy drafted me named James Shaq Harris, who played in the NFL for the Bills and for the Rams. And, you know, he knew our family for years also and drafted me into the NFL in 2003. Wow. So that must have been a big day for you and your family. Oh, yeah. Huge. I mean, you see it come across ESPN screen like, wow, I actually did it. Here I am. And then I remember flying to Jacksonville from Baltimore and like getting there in the media and seeing all your rookie teammates and getting to learn the city and all that kind of stuff. It was great. Okay. So you saw your dad growing up, you know, you might've thought about being your own boss, but you didn't really, I guess, think about it completely then because you were getting into football and being recruited and going to the NFL must've been a dream come true. Not many people get recruited to the NFL and get to play. Very true. Very true. (laughs) You're going to compare, I guess, um, NFL to, to what you're doing now, did it teach you any important lessons? Oh, oh, absolutely. Like as an athlete, you learn how to deal with loss, defeat, hard days, long days, difficult days. I mean, I remember sometimes you get to the practice field like 5.30 and then wouldn't leave to like 11, uh, you know, go home, get a couple hours rest, get up to all over again. I mean, that's, that's what training camp is. It's like, it's, it's like, you're just, you're, you're there for, you know, 12, 13, 14, sometimes 15 plus hours, you know, in a day or even more. I mean, except from 5.30 to 11, I mean, that's what, that's almost what, 17, 18 hours, I mean, 16, 17 hours, something like that. I mean, you're constantly just in your craft, in the game. That's it would be an entrepreneur. It's constantly in your craft, in the game, never giving up, 
having to deal with adversity, loss, people saying, yeah, I'll hire you, but how about this price? I'm like, well, I can't do it for that price. Well, okay, well, I can't work with you. Or, you know, they're going to hire you like, yes, here we come, here we come. And actually, you know, they don't get a phone call and you're trying to call them, they don't pick up. Or, you know, you try to email them, you get nothing back. So it's constant. It's a constant battle as an entrepreneur. And that's what football was and taught me. It's just a constant battle. So true. I always say, or I used to say all the time, that it's like a battlefield every day. I never know what I'm getting into because there's always something that you have to pivot from or some problem with a business or issue. And if you don't get used to all of those, you know, fires to put out and failures, it's, you know, it's not for everyone. Oh, no, 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 no. Being entrepreneur is not for everybody. No, you don't have, very few people have the faint heart to last in being an entrepreneur because getting started is almost impossible sustaining is damn near just, you know, it's, it's just a drag. And then having big time success is very, very few and far between. So it's, there's a lot more businesses that fail than make it. So if you want to be an entrepreneur and you're expecting a pretty rosy red, you know, EC road, don't get into it because it's not that it's just not. And if you think it is, you've already lost. Oh my gosh. That's so it's a perfect way to say it because people will see me being in PR, like always happy and always getting people on TV and that sort of thing. But it's, it's so not, they don't know the behind the scenes with the contracts, the proposals, the QuickBooks, the client not paying you when they're supposed to, I could go on and on as you know. So it's true. It's not for the faint of heart, but that's why there's people that prefer being self-employed or employed by some corporation. I agree. I mean, people just want to get that security, that safety net. The problem I have with that is I don't like someone telling me where to be, when to be there, someone else's schedule. I worked at Corporate America for a little bit. Uh, Merrill Lynch for a little while didn't last long. Uh, a construction company my guy here didn't last long at all. And then I had my little business and that was cool. And I had to work another job as a custodian. So that was me on the clock with somebody. And then Finally, I got, you know, I started this, you know, another business. So I had football and then the speaking business in 2013 and then got nowhere with that and then started having success. Got my first paid job in 2016 for speaking and then got some consistency around like 2018 to 19. And then it kind of got better in 20 and 21. Now here we are now. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> there was a lot of sleepless nights you know, in my day for sure, without a doubt. Yeah, your story is amazing to me. So most people don't know unless they read your book or follow you on Instagram. Tell us about where you hit rock bottom and where you were making $8 an hour. So after I lost my construction company, I moved down to Raleigh, uh, North Carolina, where I'm at currently. I was working a couple jobs, Merrill Lynch, fire after two months, construction company, fire from two jobs in the same week. The only job I could get was a custodian and I was making $8 and 25 cents an hour. And I did a speech today, a webinar for a client, uh, pro, uh, uh, pro FS training. And I was talking to him about when I did that, I still had no accountability, no responsibility because I was blaming everybody else for my problems. And then in 2013, September as a custodian, I had my rock bottom. One of my favorite quotes is by J.K. Rowling. She said, rock bottom is the moment that she rebuilt her life. So for me, it was being a custodian and having someone spoiled milk, nasty, rotten meat all over my body, my skin, and my clothes. And that was my wake-up call. That was my rock bottom moment. Either wake up 
and get your life back or don't wake up and be blaming everybody else for the rest of your life. Like it was my client's fault. It was my partner's fault. It was my employee's fault. Nobody but Marcus. But I say, you know what? I got to get my life together. That's why I went home, wrote down my three biggest strengths and said, hey, let's start speaking. Let's try this. Tony Robbins did it. What the hell? How hard could it be? And that's when I jumped in and I want you to to get this. I jumped in with no safety net. Let me tell you something. Jumping in with no safety net is one thing. Jumping with no safety net, you don't know what the hell you're doing. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Learn from me. Learn the business that you're going to get into. I didn't know it. So I still work other jobs, of course, training, football, all that. But I tried to jump into something I didn't really understand. Or I mean, all of a sudden, go up there and start speaking. Like, here I am, here I am. Well, no, there's an art, there's a craft, there's marketing, there's branding, there's PR, and all these other things. And I'm just out there like, hey, hire me. And that's why I didn't get paid for two and a half years, because I sucked. And I figured it out. Now here we are. Yeah, so that makes me think of two things. Um, knowing you, I can't imagine you blaming everyone for things that happened to you. So when did a light bulb go off that made you different? Because I don't see you ever acting the victim. Great question. So when I lost everything in 2013, in April, when I moved here, I was completely the victim. And then the spoiled milk rock bottom moment made me understand that I'm not a victim, that I was in the wrong. And I need to be a victor and get my life back because if I'm going to sit here and be a victim my entire life, I'll never, ever, ever get where I want to be. So that was the moment of like clarity. That was the moment of like, no more poor Marcus, no more poor me, no more it's everybody else's fault. That moment said, all right, now it's time to go. And that's what I was able to really get going and uh, go into the whole mainframe and go from there. Yeah. Wow. I mean, did you ever think then that you'd be where you are now? (laughs) No, (laughs) no, (laughs) no. I never thought that, you know, I'm going to be real with you. Like we talked about this before. There's not a lot of African-American speakers on the circuit that aren't like, you know, a celebrity. Like, you know, they're great. I mean, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, you know, some of these great celebrities that are really good speakers, right? But they're not speakers. They are celebrities that speak, right? So they don't happen. They may, I mean, Magic makes money from all his things. Jordan owns the Bobcats, all that other stuff. But as far as like African-American speakers, I think that's what I like a Les Brown, right? There's not a lot. And there really isn't. And to really get where we have gotten, we've worked for 47, Jen, Fortune, 500 brands in the last six and a half years. 47. And we've worked for countless universities and countless people and coaching, consulting, a three-time best-selling author. But I would have never thought to after only five months of launching a podcast that we would be in the top one and a half percent. And this just came in. We're going to get Vincent Papali, who the movie The Invincible was made off that Mark Wahlberg played, the Philadelphia Eagle player. He's coming on our podcast. We just confirmed he's coming on the podcast sometime uh, in the next couple of weeks. I know him well. He's from this area. So you can tell him I said hi. I will. Definitely. They lived actually in Cherry Hill. Bar. I live, but I think they moved to Florida in the past. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. I know they're in Florida. Now, but I didn't know they lived in Cherry Hill. That's pretty, that's they awesome. did mm-hmm. for years. So I would see them all the time at a lot of events. They're great, great family. Um, but that's awesome. Invincible. He's got a cool story. You guys are going to connect. 
That's going to be so awesome. Um, and then my other question from when you were talking before is like, you figured out the speaking game. Like, what does that mean? Does that mean you figured out like the story sequence or does that mean um, you learned how to impact people? Like how did your storytelling change? Well, that's a really good question. So my storytelling changed by learning that what the clients needed to hear, I focused more on. So my first Fortune 500 client was a company called NetApp. I knew a friend, as a matter of fact, uh, his son just got married not that long ago. They were one of my first clients. And I met them when they were seniors and juniors in high school. Now they're getting married. God, where does time go? But I did a job for them, for him, right, for NetApp. And I bombed it. Like, I remember thinking I had done like this great job. I was all passionate. I was like, oh, this is good. I was awesome. They loved me. And he took me to lunch the next week. And he said, Marcus, how do you think you did? I said, man, I thought I did great, Dave. I, I thought I crushed it. What did you think? He said, did anybody come up to you and tell you great job? I was like, hmm, I actually mentioned no. He said, yeah, Marcus, great energy, great passion, wrong storytelling, wrong how. I'm like, what do you mean, Dave? We are doctors, nurses. We work in the healthcare space. We wanted to hear more about your NFL, your concussions, what you saw in the locker room, rehab. We don't care or we didn't care about your business failure. That doesn't excite us because we're not in that space. And I was like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. So he brought me back to speak for him six months later and I crushed it. And then as I started to mature over time, I learned that my life is my life, but I can't tell every part of my life to different clients in the same magnitude if I'm talking about a different topic I've been hired for. I'm talking about leadership. I can't be able to talk about culture and enhancement. I've been hired for marketing and sales. I can't talk about diversity and inclusion. And what I learned is my life is my life, but I have to take the part of my life that fits the mold and stay in that space. And by doing that, that got me to the point now where I'm speaking here, this, this. I've got to go to San Antonio uh, next year already into New Orleans and to Chicago and to Dallas and whatever. So I've been very fortunate, but like everybody else, I have this classic saying, every expert was once a beginner. That's so true. So now do you um, tailor your, your speaking to whomever you're speaking to? Absolutely. So when a client hires me, it's going to be their lingo, Whatever the topic is and whatever they want me to speak on, I always tell what's called my custom suit, my life story, but I'll focus more on parts of the story that really are going to be more in correlation with what the client is looking for. Got it. So do you practice or are you at a point now where you kind of just speak from the heart? Well, I always create a PowerPoint to kind of help guide whatever I'm going to be speaking on. But I don't have to, I don't practice anymore because once I have the PowerPoint and I'm really great at storytelling and I learned this through going to a program I told you about this in 2018 uh, at Penn State. And one of the things that Aristotle said, you know, thousands of years ago is that people respond well to metaphors, to stories, like the Odyssey written by, and the Iliad by Homer that came out in his day. Like people still talk about that. Like I tell people, I ask people all the time, do you know who Special Stallone is? Like some people, some young people say, no, who is that? I say, okay, well, do you know who Rocky Balboa is? Oh my God, yeah, Apollo Creed, Drago, I know that, you know, Adonis Creed. Like, yeah, Sylvester Stallone is Rocky. So people respond well to metaphors. So as a speaker, you can't tell really encapsulating 
really just vibrant stories, yeah, you're not going to be successful. Uh, it's just not going to work. Yeah, it's interesting. I went to one storytelling. Um, it was more like a, a two-day conference, if you want to call it. It was only like 10 or 15 people. And like sequence was a big thing. Uh-huh. I don't have everything in front of me, but I remember like the sequence and how you tell a story impacts how powerful it can be. You have to tell the story in the frame of that it's going to flow and that it's going to really, first thing I would tell people as a speaker, right? First couple slides, focus on the topic you were hired for, right? That way they know what they're going to be getting for the next 45 minutes, hour, whatever. Then tell your story. Tell parts of your story that relate to the topic you've been hired for and really focus on tying in that to their lingo and to their message. Then you challenge the audience with some sort of thought-provoking comment, statement, whatever. Then you give them some action steps to alleviate or to relieve the pressure or the question that you ask them. Then you close with the final thought, a quote, something of that regard that's going to make them have that laser really driven to the heart impact to be able to be able to go out into the world and do great things. So I assume that makes you feel so good and high when you're done doing those speaking engagements. But what if you had a bad day, you woke up, things weren't going right. Could it be with anything business, personal, but then you have to like pump yourself up. Is that hard to do? Or do you always just get into that mindset? So I had a speaking job where I had to do three speaking jobs in two different states all under 24 hours. And I had a problem back at home that literally kept me up all night in Vegas. And I had to speak in Vegas. Then I had to hop on a plane, go to Detroit, speak in Detroit, hop back on a plane on a red eye, back to Vegas to speak at an event. That was Vegas, Detroit, back to Vegas. And I had a horrible night that night before my first talk in Vegas that next morning. And I woke up after maybe an hour's sleep and I said, I got two choices. I can either go downstairs and bomb this talk and ruin any chance I had with one of our largest clients. Or I can say, F it. I didn't sleep well. I'm stressed out. I got to block this out and I got to go forward and do my job. And that's what I did. And I tell my clients, when it comes to confidence, you have to control your mental focus. If you can't control it or you can't fix it, don't worry about it. Oops. And if you don't worry about it, then what happens is you don't take up all that negative energy, think about, okay, my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Well, you can't control it. Don't worry about it. So that's how I approached that day. I crushed the speech in Vegas. Went to Detroit, crushed that, came back, crushed that. And then the client in Vegas said, Mark, you were the, one of the best speakers at the event. Oh, by the way, we're now going to hire you for almost triple the amount that we paid you before, which was a nice fee. And we want you main stage in Nashville in September of next year. And that was the same one that you just didn't sleep well for? Yep. I had about two hours sleep because I had a really, really rough night from my daughter calling me and telling me she was having a problem. And just it was just not a good night. And I got about maybe two hours sleep. And I woke up, spoke, plane, spoke in Detroit, plane, back, spoke in Vegas, went home. You must have been so excited to sleep that night. I was tired when I slept. I slept good. But you talk about like the focus and all that. It was really hard. 
Yeah, I was always curious because a lot of the positive speakers seem so happy and, you know, like nothing goes wrong in their lives. So I was just mm-hmm. curious. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, we're human. Things go wrong. <laughs> Things go right. really. Things go really wrong. Trust me. <laughs> oh my gosh, so funny. Well, I think that's so impressive. So, is most of your business speaking now, and then some coaching on the side? It's speaking, coaching, consulting, and then the podcast now is really coming up as a huge, uh, you know, uh, brand builder, uh, awareness builder monetary financial game maker and all that. And we also own parts of different brands that align with our brand. As a result of that, we have had a lot of success with some different companies in toothpaste, oral hygiene to, um, you know, we have a part of a, of a, of a real estate app brand. We have part, we're in kind of like the NFT space. So we've done really well to align with some pretty potential big, you know, companies that are now startups that could be huge in like the next five to seven years. So I can retire and buy an island and I can just kind of go from there. <laughs> right. And this podcast is blown up. Yeah. It's new. So it's, it's called Get Authentic with Marcus Ogden. It's five months old. Uh, we've been streamed in 49 different countries. We have 226 of 226 five-star ratings, over 85-star reviews. And What's great, right, Jan, is that we just interview amazing, authentic people with amazing, authentic stories. That's all we do. And people love it. It's real. It's raw. It's honest. It's vulnerable. No script. You can say what you want. We've had athletes and actors, celebrities, business owners, people that don't have a network that work in corporate America, people that used to work in corporate America that don't anymore to you name it. I mean, we've had all across the board. And it works very well because people really enjoy the, the, the message and the stories and the real life experiences that our guests bring to the show. I love that. I once said on a podcast that you can't fake authenticity and I don't think you can. No, you can't because if you come across fake, you know, I say, I'll tell time like, yo, hey, if you've been to rock bottom, join the club. Really, Mark? Yeah, I've been there. No, no, no. Yes, I've been there. I look in the bank and I've seen $400. I've looked in the bank and seen $1,000 with $3,000 with the bills due the next day. I mean, I've, I've seen it all. I mean, I've, I've seen it all. So I've eaten like out of soup kitchens. I've had like, you know, had to buy like hamburger helper to eat for food. I mean, I've done it all. I mean, I've really done it all. Oh, I love it. I mean, you're such... Um you know, an honor to be around you have great energy. And it's interesting to see someone like you who just didn't have anywhere to go and how you built your business. And I assume it's only going to get better. Oh, I had nowhere to go fast. <laughs> it was <laughs> nowhere to go whatsoever. But today now it's a different story. Blessed and very fortunate to have a lot of clients, a lot of people that love our work, coaching, consulting, speaking, podcast sponsors, and we're just very fortunate. We just continue to move forward and do what we got to do every day. Okay. So I just want to ask one more question. Um, what kind of advice could you give to people who are looking to start a business or start a brand um, and they just don't know how to do it? Uh, create an opportunity by doing these two things. One, figuring out why you want to start the business. Like, what's the real reason? Is it family? Is it Legacy is it helping people figure that out, right? So this way, when adversity comes, not if, when it comes, you'll push through. 
and focus on your strengths. Don't focus on what you do bad. Focus on what you do well. Focus on what you excel at and then build your business, build your trajectory from there and then shoot for the stars. That's how we did it. We were good at storytelling, communication, helping people. Was it hard at first? Hell yes. Did we get hired right away? Hell no. But I, we kept going. We kept pushing. And now here we are, nine years later, we're very well respected. We have a lot of big clients. We are very much just into a lot of the speaker scene and our podcast is growing and all the stuff. But we focus on what we did well and we knew our why. And because of those things, here we are nine years later standing. That's awesome. And where can people find you? Marcus Ogden on Instagram? Correct. Marcus Ogden on Instagram, Marcus Ogden on LinkedIn. You can go to our website, www.marcusogden.com. Connect with us. We love to chat with you. Thank you so much, Marcus. I love your I story. Appreciate, appreciate you having me on. Thanks very much. And I will really appreciate you having me on. Thanks a lot. Of course. All right. Have a good day. Good luck with everything. Thanks a lot. Well, that's it for now. Thanks everyone for joining us. Please reach out to me so I can feature you on my show. I do respond to everyone. You can find me on my Instagram at Jennifer Sherlock or my business Instagram at Jenna.com. And check out our new website coming soon, livewithoutanet.com. Thanks again. And I look forward to taking risks with you.